0: Good morning, Alex and friends. Today is Friday, June 16th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Coming up on Alex's News, we have a lot in store for you. But first, let's talk weather. Today in Riverside, the high will reach a comfortable 81.4 degrees with a low of 63.1. In our top story, a Russian cyber extortion gang has breached the Department of Energy and several institutions using a file transfer program, raising concerns about potential data exposure. We'll have the details on this alarming development. Also, we'll be discussing the unveiling of the real numbers behind the $50 billion opioid settlement payouts. Find out who's receiving the funds and how it aims to address the ongoing crisis. In a world where obesity rates are soaring, we'll explore the extreme measures teenagers are resorting to combat weight gain. From weight loss surgery to the use of drugs, we delve into this concerning trend. And finally, there's a heartwarming story about a stranger's kindness. Join us to hear how that act of generosity saved a father's race against time to reach his ailing daughter. Stay tuned for all these stories and more on Alex's News. Our top story today focuses on a major cybersecurity breach that has struck some federal agencies, including the Department of Energy. Joining us now is our reporter, Antony, to give us more details. Antony, can you break down what we know about this breach?
1: Absolutely, Connie. A Russian cyber extortion gang called the CL0P Ransomware Syndicate has successfully breached the Department of Energy and other federal agencies. It's important to note that they accomplished this by exploiting a file transfer program known as Move It. While the impact of this hack on the affected agencies is expected to be minimal, other industries and institutions have also been hit.
0: Can you tell us more about this CL0P syndicate and their modus operandi? How do they typically target their victims?
1: Certainly, Connie the CL0P ransomware syndicate has gained a notorious reputation for targeting file transfer programs to conduct their extortion schemes. They don't discriminate in their targets, going after a range of entities such as government agencies, corporations, and universities. As for this specific breach, the ransomware gang focused on exploiting the MovieIt program, which is widely used for securely sharing files containing sensitive financial and insurance data.
0: This breach surely raises concerns about the exposure of confidential information. Can you explain what kind of information may be at risk and the potential consequences?
1: Absolutely, Connie. The breach has indeed sparked concerns over the exposure of confidential information. In this case, since the focus was on movie it, sensitive financial and insurance data is particularly at risk. Imagine files containing financial records insurance policies, or other sensitive documents being accessed by unauthorized individuals, the potential consequences could range from identity theft and financial fraud to other forms of criminal activity exploiting the stolen information.
0: Is there any indication that this attack is a coordinated effort by the Russian government? And has there been any compromise in the U.S. military and intelligence community?
1: At this time... There is no evidence to suggest that this attack is a coordinated effort by the Russian government. It's important to highlight that the CL0P ransomware syndicate operates independently, although they are based in Russia. As for the U.S. military and intelligence community, there is no current evidence of compromise. It seems that the breach has primarily affected federal agencies outside the military and intelligence sectors.
0: What challenges do the victims of this breach face in coming forward? And how does the absence of federal data breach laws complicate the national response?
1: Victims of this breach face several challenges in coming forward. One major issue is the absence of federal data breach laws in the United States. This means that there are no specific regulations requiring agencies to disclose such incidents. Complicating matters further, different states have inconsistent disclosure obligations, which adds to the confusion and lack of a unified response. The Department of Homeland Security has urged victims to report the incident, but without a federal data breach law, the national response becomes more complicated.
0: The CL0P ransomware syndicate claims to have stolen sensitive data from various victims and threatens to release it unless a ransom is paid. Can we trust their claims about deleting stolen government and law enforcement data?
1: That's a great question, Connie. At this point, it's uncertain whether the claims made by the CL0P syndicate regarding the deletion of stolen government and law enforcement data are true. It's important to approach their claims with caution, as ransomware gangs often use such statements as a tactic to put pressure on their victims. Verification of these claims is necessary and authorities and affected agencies will undoubtedly be investigating the extent of the breach and the validity of the syndicate's threats.
0: While this breach may not be considered a significant threat to national security, the potential exposure of sensitive financial and insurance data raises broader concerns. Can you elaborate on those concerns?
1: Absolutely, Connie. Although this breach is not believed to pose a direct threat to national security, the exposure of sensitive financial and insurance data carries broader implications. Beyond the immediate impact on the affected agencies, the broader concerns revolve around the potential for financial fraud, identity theft, and other criminal activities stemming from the use and exploitation of this exposed information. Safeguarding such sensitive data is vital to protecting individuals and organizations from potential harm.
0: Thank you, Antoni, for providing us with those in-depth insights into this cybersecurity breach. We appreciate your expertise on the matter.
1: You're welcome, Connie. It was my pleasure to share this information with our viewers.
0: Welcome back to our morning broadcast. We have some breaking news regarding the opioid crisis in the United States. Joining us now is our correspondent, Ellie, who has been following this story closely.
2: Ellie what's the latest development? Thank you, Connie. We've learned that the public now has access to detailed information about the opioid settlement funds received by local governments across the nation. This is significant because it sheds light on the financial implications of the ongoing opioid lawsuits.
0: That's an important step towards transparency. Can you give us more details about these settlements?
2: Absolutely, Connie. Thousands of local governments in the U.S. are receiving over $50 billion in settlement funds as part of the ongoing opioid lawsuits. The exact dollar figures allocated to each city or county for the years 2022 and 2023 have been obtained by KFF Health News. Previously, it was quite challenging to obtain this level of specific information.
0: So, Ellie, how much have the state and local governments collectively
2: received through these settlements? To date, the state and local governments have collectively received over $3 billion through these settlements. It's important to note that these settlements rank as the second-largest public health settlement in U.S. history, highlighting the magnitude of the consequences caused by the aggressive promotion of opioid painkillers.
0: That's an enormous sum of money. Ellie, can you explain what the purpose of these settlement funds is?
2: Absolutely, Connie. The settlement funds are intended to address and alleviate the consequences of the opioid crisis which has had devastating effects on communities across the country. These funds aim to support remediation efforts to curb the crisis's impact and provide assistance to the communities affected.
0: This release of information is a tremendous opportunity for accountability. Has there been any discussion about how these funds will be allocated?
2: Yes, Connie. The release of this information allows the public to track how much each local government is receiving, ensuring that the funds are appropriately allocated. This transparency promotes accountability in the distribution of settlement funds and fosters informed discussions and decisions about long-term solutions to combat the opioid epidemic.
0: Absolutely. Transparency is crucial. Ellie, what does public access to these figures reveal about the role of companies in the opioid crisis?
2: The public's knowledge of the settlement payouts provides a comprehensive understanding of the financial implications of the opioid lawsuits. It also sheds light on the role of companies in contributing to the crisis. By knowing how much each local government is receiving, it becomes easier to discuss and hold responsible parties accountable for their actions. That's certainly
0: important to help prevent such crises in the future. Ellie, what do you think will be the implications or consequences of this newfound transparency?
2: Connie. I think one major implication is that now affected communities will have a clearer view of how the funds are being distributed. This will allow them to actively participate in decisions regarding where the money should be allocated for maximum impact and long-term solutions. Additionally, it will support efforts to hold any party accountable for their involvement in promoting opioid painkillers irresponsibly.
0: Thank you, Ellie, for your thorough analysis. The release of these figures truly opens up a new era of transparency and enables us to combat the opioid crisis more effectively. We
2: appreciate your expertise on this matter. Thank you, Connie. It's my pleasure to provide these important updates.
0: And now on to a concerning trend affecting teenagers in the United States. Joining us to provide insight and analysis is our very own news reporter, Arnold. Arnold It seems that a growing number of teenagers are resorting to extreme measures to combat severe obesity. Can you give us an overview of the current situation?
3: Absolutely, Connie. It is indeed a worrying development. We're seeing an increasing number of teenagers in the United States turning to drastic measures, such as weight loss surgery and drugs, as a way to address severe obesity. Despite the controversy surrounding these interventions, both parents and children believe they are necessary for overall well-being.
0: It's definitely a complex issue, Arnold. Can you delve deeper into the key elements or incidents mentioned in this story?
3: Certainly, Connie. Critics of these interventions, including some medical professionals, caution against intervening too early with surgical procedures and drugs due to potential risks and long-term effects. They argue that diet and exercise alone should be the focus for weight loss. However, many medical professionals believe that for some teenagers, especially those with severe obesity, more aggressive interventions are necessary as traditional methods often prove ineffective.
0: So it seems like there's a difference of opinion among medical professionals. What are some of the concerns surrounding these interventions?
3: Well, Connie... One concern raised is the fact that weight loss surgery, while effective in reducing weight, has a drawback. Approximately 25% of patients who undergo this procedure end up regaining weight. Additionally, critics argue that these surgical interventions are costly and may have long-term consequences for the overall health of teenagers.
0: Very valid points there, Arnold. What about obesity drugs? Do they offer a viable alternative?
3: Yes, Connie. There are drugs like Wegovy that have shown positive results in treating obesity. However, stopping these drugs often leads to weight regain and may also entail side effects. So they are not considered a long-term solution either.
0: That's definitely worth considering. Now, what about success stories? Are there any instances where these treatments have proved beneficial?
3: Absolutely, Connie. While controversial, there have been success stories of teenagers benefiting from weight loss surgery and obesity drugs. These interventions have shown potential benefits in improving the overall health and well-being of teenagers with severe obesity. However, it's important to note that individual experiences vary.
0: Thank you for providing us with those details, Arnold. Now, given the different perspectives on this issue, what potential implications or consequences do these interventions carry?
3: Well, Connie, it's a delicate balance. On one hand, some argue that these interventions provide necessary solutions for severe obesity, safeguarding the health of teenagers. On the other hand, critics worry about the potential risks and long-term effects associated with them. Striking the right balance and ensuring teenagers' well-being remains a priority is crucial. Definitely
0: a challenging
3: situation to navigate.
0: Are there any other related factors or peculiarities that might be relevant to this issue?
3: One factor to consider, Connie, is the societal stigma surrounding obesity. Severe obesity can have significant physical and emotional impacts on teenagers, and these interventions may be seen as a way to address the issue comprehensively. Society needs to have a nuanced dialogue that focuses on both prevention and intervention to tackle the obesity epidemic among teenagers.
0: Your insights are certainly eye-opening, Arnold. Thank you for shedding light on this concerning trend. We appreciate your comprehensive analysis.
3: It's my pleasure, Connie. Thank you for having me.
0: Welcome back to our morning broadcast. As we wrap up our show, we have a heartwarming story to share with you all today. Joining us now is our reporter, Jenna, who will give us an in-depth look at this remarkable incident.
4: Good morning, Jenna. Good morning, Connie. I'm excited to be here and share this incredible story that truly highlights the power of compassion in times of crisis.
0: Absolutely, Jenna. So what happened in this extraordinary situation?
4: Well, Connie, the story revolves around Daniel Willingham, a desperate father living in central Virginia, whose daughter Espree was admitted to the pediatric intensive care unit in Toronto. Understandably alarmed, Mr. Willingham quickly headed back home to be with his daughter.
0: It must have been an incredibly stressful situation for him. But Jenna, what obstacle did Mr. Willingham face when he tried to board a flight to Toronto?
4: That's right, Connie. As Mr. Willingham was rushing to catch a flight, he realized that his passport had expired. Unfortunately, an expired passport would prevent him from boarding the plane and reaching his daughter in time.
0: That sounds like a
4: nightmare scenario. But then what happened, Jenna? Well, Connie, in a stroke of luck, Mr. Willingham's pediatrician stepped up and made an urgent call to the State Department, explaining the dire situation and pleading for their assistance. And did the State Department come to his aid? Yes, Connie. Thankfully, they did. The State Department was not only sympathetic to Mr. Willingham's predicament, but they also saw the urgency of the situation. However, there was still a hurdle to overcome.
0: What additional challenge did Mr. Willingham face, Jenna?
4: Mr. Willingham was instructed to complete the necessary paperwork at a State Department office in downtown Washington. Unfortunately, time was against him. The office was on the verge of closing, and it seemed impossible for him to reach there before they shut their doors for the day.
0: So, Jenna, how did Mr. Willingham manage to obtain his new passport despite the
4: tight deadline? Well, Connie... This is where the story takes a heartwarming turn. A compassionate young man working in the State Department office recognized the urgency and the desperate situation Mr. Willingham was facing. With great empathy, he chose to stay behind, defying the closing time, and decided to wait for Mr. Willingham, ensuring that he could obtain his new passport.
0: That is truly remarkable. So, did Mr. Willingham make it to Toronto
4: in time to support his daughter? Indeed, Connie. Around 8 p.m., just in the nick of time, Mr. Willingham reached the State Department office and was able to secure his new passport. He caught a flight, and that same night, he was able to be by his daughter's side at the hospital, offering the support and love she needed during her critical time.
0: It's such a relief that Mr. Willingham was able to be there for Esprit when she needed him the most. But what's even more touching is the fact that the kind young man at the State Department office never received proper thanks for his selfless act.
4: Absolutely, Connie. This incident truly highlights the profound impact that a stranger's kindness can have, especially in the midst of a crisis. It reminds us of the immense power of empathy and human connection during difficult times. Well said, Jenna.
0: Thank you for bringing us this heartwarming story, and thank you for your detailed analysis.
4: It was my pleasure, Connie. I think we can all find hope in stories like these, which remind us of the compassion that still exists in our world. Back to you, Connie.
0: Thank you, Jenna, for shedding light on such a beautiful tale of human kindness. It's heartening to witness how strangers can make a significant difference in one another's lives. And that concludes our mid-broadcast stories for today. We'll be back after this short break. Stay with us. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made with ChatGPT, 11 labs and a program written by you. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.